0: Welcome to Beyond the Plate, industry talks by Le Cordon Bleu. In this podcast, we get some real insight into the food and hospitality industry from a variety of renowned chefs, industry experts, and Le Cordon Bleu alumni. Join us as we hear the fascinating stories and unique experiences behind some of the best known names in the industry. Welcome. Thank you, Asma Khan, for joining us on the Le Coron Bleu Industry Talks podcast. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Good. It's really lovely to have you here with us or oh, well, we're in your wonderful restaurant. So, first of all, I just wanted to ask you about how you came to be in hospitality. What made you realize that you wanted this as your career? Can you tell us a bit about your journey?
1: Yeah, I think I never saw this as my career. Hmm. It's just a series of kind of good opportunities, good luck, why I am here. Because 10 years ago, when I was looking at hospitality, you didn't see anyone like me. You didn't see anyone like me in hospitality, in food media, anywhere. Mm. No one was talking about food that looked like me you had white old men talking about indian food and that's what you watched everywhere there was mother jafri who you know was no longer on television you know 10 years ago yeah. so these were all reruns of old programs she had done and uh, yeah so there was no space for me i didn't see myself I just wanted to cook and I wanted to feed people and it's exactly for these reasons that I started from my own house. Mm. I started with supper clubs in my own house mm. and I would do the occasional tri- catering. Yeah. But to imagine myself as someone in hospitality with a restaurant, serving people, there was no question. It just I was just lucky that I managed to open a restaurant. Mm. But it wasn't even something that was on my trajectory because you know how would I get there? Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. So I started from doing supper clubs in my own house because that's where I was secure and safe and then eventually when my kids protested I moved to do a pop-up pretty much unheard of now you know when you, at that time to for an Indian you know chef or cook to go into a very posh uh, you know pub in Soho was quite unheard of you know there was no concept of pop-ups and you know residencies this is all pretty new Mm. Uh, at that time you know you did have Thai food in some restaurants but that was it in some pubs and I went in uh, I was very unsuccessful in the beginning Uh, people didn't want to eat my food and there was like you know I don't want your curry love it was very very soul destroying there were days when I sold nothing I, I really was a huge failure in the beginning because the mindset of people was that you know you need to you know I'm not gonna buy your food you know you're not refined enough sophisticated yeah. enough uh, this is an odd thing to happen that you're in this kind of very very trendy space yeah. uh, why are you here and you know people would stare at my all women kitchen and not get it mm. and you know it just shows how you know I feel you know quite proud of mm. this journey I've made because I know how no one was even willing to there was a huge pushback yeah. uh, something which I haven't talked about that much but I'm saying this because I want people who are listening to this to know that if you face pushback don't give up yeah I didn't and I continued and then one day Faye Mashler walked in on her 70th birthday you know loved the food wrote this amazing article and there were queues and overnight I was this big star uh, in Soho where people were queuing up you couldn't get tables and uh, yeah everything changed but I still would not have imagined that I could have moved into a restaurant but I, one of the regulars in the pub who came to eat very often was a landlord of a site just behind the pub mm-hmm. in Kingly Court when I told him I was you know my time in the pub you know I wanted to leave because my kid had not done notes for his GCSEs, <laughs> and I was like terrified he'd fail. I, you know, Indian mother. Yeah. Okay. I kind of quit so that I could go and help him with his notes and make sure he didn't do badly in his <laughs> exams. So he said, you know, your stories aren't going to end this way, there's this side. It was out of politeness and just respect for this person who was always kind to me and my team. I went to see the site. I definitely was not going to imagine that I could have a restaurant but when I went there it just kind of felt so right yeah and even though I had no money that's when the dream began I thought okay I'm gonna do my best and he told me that he thinks my food is good enough and why not let me try so really it was just you know that Mm. so it wasn't I was looking for it the opportunity came to me sure,
0: yeah. and
1: otherwise i honestly can tell you I would not have been looking for a restaurant site mm. I don't know what my destiny would have been I would have gone home but definitely not looking for a, a restaurant yeah and I was very fortunate I competed with 55 people mm. and I was able to to get the lease and I struggled to raise the finance uh, I was trying to get a business partner who turned out to be Rather greedy and not so helpful, mm. and my husband stepped in, gave me his entire life savings, said wow. life savings of the kids mm. as well, the trust fund, and that's how I opened the restaurant. Wow. Thank goodness it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean just because I didn't have money, and you know I thought that because I lacked experience, I thought it'd be a good idea to get, you know, an established restaurant person, yeah. established restaurant person, basically didn't know who he was dealing with Mm -hmm. and tried to kind of, you know, shortchange me and made me feel insecure. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought I'm not going into this relationship Mm. uh, where you are made to feel like you're not good enough. And, you know, I thought this is how he is now. Mm. God knows what's going to be later on. And, you know, if something doesn't feel right to people, you should walk. Yeah. because always always destiny will open another door for you one door closes another will always open mm. do not allow yourself to be pigeonholed and pushed into a place
0: it must have been quite a learning curve for you then to kind of learn the restaurant trade and also run the kitchen at the same time
1: it was very hard mm. and we were very very bad uh, people left without eating uh, we got orders wrong mm. uh, I was a real struggle and people were very understanding, very tolerant. A lot of people who came to the restaurant were my ex-supper club clients. Mm -hmm. Huge difference between supper club Mm -hmm. where everybody is eating at the same time in your house. They're not different tables. They're not coming at different times. Uh, It was so tough. (laughs) I made lots of mistakes, but I learned very quickly. Mm -hmm. The food was perfect. Mm -hmm. So that helped a lot. It was the same team who I'd been cooking with in my house, in the pub, So the kitchen was perfect, we just couldn't get the service correct, but soon we got that correct as well. And yeah, but it was not easy. It wasn't easy, but it was great fun and every night when we finished service, we felt so exhilarated. Mm. We could hardly walk, but we felt triumphant. Every night ended on a note of joy and that is how it is even today. We are, it's still a struggle, it's still tough. There are days when it's very, very difficult. There are days when it's easier. But every day, we all feel victorious. Mm.
0: Yeah, and wonderful. I mean, I suppose, you know, if it's, if it's worth doing, then the hard work doesn't feel so hard.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's very hard work, mm. without a doubt, and it's relentless. But it is a lot of pressure, but I'm, I have to point out, there's no justification for violence and anger that happens in other places it's true it's for three hours you don't think you're breathing Mm -hmm. during packed lunch service packed dinner service it is frantic but in my kitchen you will never find anyone shouting or screaming or getting upset we just manage yeah there's a lot of cooperation there's a lot of non-verbal communication no one is screaming at each other we're watching what each one is doing no one shouting commands And this is you know I'm evidence of that that you can actually do it this way yeah screaming and shouting is the easy way and it also says something about you Mm. as a person if that is your way of coping with pressure uh, if you cannot deal with the pressure get the hell out of the kitchen. You don't deserve to be in the kitchen. Because really, it is pressured, but there's pressure everywhere. You know, I think primary school teachers have the worst job. You know, there are medics and doctors who do complicated operations. There are, you know, over pandemic, we saw heroic, you know, people Mm. caring for the elderly and the sick uh, and the dying, you know. These are tough things and people do it. So there's no excuse. Cooking and serving is a joy and a privilege. Mm. And that is the pressure is just part of it
0: yeah we're absolutely hearing more and more that there's no space for that in modern hospitality no one is you know going to take that kind of attitude from any anyone in the workplace which i think is
1: fantastic and i think that for you know students who have are studying culinary uh you know in in culinary schools they must also be very very clear on this There are borders and there are lines that people should not cross, mm-hmm. and you do not need to take the violence and anger that people in the past took. You don't need to suck it up, no. because you are skilled, you are trained. This is what you've learned in school, mm. and you know this is what you know. Some a place like Goldenbrook has given you, has yeah. given you the skills. You have the skill set. You've got to have the mindset and yeah. not take nonsense. Absolutely.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about your team now. Your kitchen team specifically so you have an all-female kitchen team and obviously this is important to highlight but why do you think it's still important and unusual to highlight that there's an all-female kitchen team in a female founded business no less
1: I think it's important to highlight this because it is an anomaly in our culture Mm -hmm. Uh, in every home you go to in India Pakistan Bangladesh Sri Lanka uh, it's a woman who's cooking, or a woman in charge. The matriarch, the female, is, is, is deciding what's happening with the food, you know, organizing the ingredients, you know, making sure that everybody's fed. But in every restaurant you go to, at mid-level, upper-level, fine dining, in the East or in the West, they're mainly men who are in charge. And this is the difficulty that we are still the only one, which is a female-founded, all-female kitchen, as you mentioned, in the world, doing Indian food and the reason why I highlight it not because I want to preen and show off that we are the only one. I'm highlighting it as a battle cry. Mm -hmm. I want others to join. I want women to feel there is one. I had no one to look at, to look up to. You cannot be what you cannot see. The reason why I communicate this is that I want someone else to see Mm. that we did it, that we're successful. It's been 10 years. We started off, this is 10 years of doing supper clubs. So it's 10 years and five years at a restaurant and we're all still standing. And we survived the pandemic and my team are as close as anything and we are successful. And I had to teach myself how to say we are successful looking at the mirror because in my accented voice, I want people to hear, you can be me, you can be more successful than me. And, you know, I say this very often, I am not willing to die till I see women surpassing me. Mm. In every achievement I've made, in everything that I've done with Darjeeling Express and my team, I will live to see someone doing better than me Mm. who will break every norm and, you know, shatter all these prejudices that people have. And this is something that is important in every kind of cuisine, Mm. not just mine. And, you know, I see this as a universal battle that we need to explain to everyone that, you know, I want to inspire the women, but I also want to break the barriers that I know I hit. You all seeing me and you're talking to me in my days of success. Yeah. You don't know when I failed. You all didn't know me when I bled, when I hit these barriers. Mm. And I did. And this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that the women coming after me whose breath I feel Mm -hmm. behind me don't even see it this is very important Mm -hmm. this is why having this conversation with you and bringing talking about the fact that it's an all-female kitchen and that I'm a female sole female founder Mm -hmm. this is important not just to highlight Darjeeling Express but to understand people to make people understand that this Mm -hmm. can be common this can be everywhere and it should be everywhere
0: Mm Absolutely. I mean, we have had a long time of just seeing a very similar face, especially on television. I think television is the worst for
1: it. The television is terrible. Television is terrible and they have no excuse why they do not, you know, look at more diverse faces, Mm -hmm. diverse voices, get women, you know, who are black, who are Asian, who are, you know, from different heritages to Mm -hmm. talk about their own food. Instead of shipping off some famous, you know, stale male, pale guy (laughs) to, you know, my country, you know, I'm not against these guys, you know, let them tell these stories, let them cook my food, go ahead. But, you know, you present not the food of my people because you're not going into homes, you're not talking to women, you're not, you know, you're presenting this all singing, all dancing, colorful, exotic food, which we are more than that. Mm-hmm. But that is because you do not understand my culture. You're scratching at the surface. Mm-hmm. And that's what people think we are.
0: So in terms of gender and diversity, gender equality and diversity, do you think a corner is starting to be turned or is there a really long way to go still?
1: No, of course, I think the corner is being turned. I think that there is a change. Uh, I, unfortunately, I think that uh, people have come back from the pandemic not as they should be more humble and more keen to be more diverse i'm hearing terrible stories about you know smaller groups but women especially older women you know because everybody suddenly was aware of how tough it is to have kids at home Mm. because all these men you know those who have kids understand uh, and i think that they're just wary of of women because i'm hearing that women are not being rehired Mm. and we are still in this in this situation where people are of course you know and now with the war, with the price hike, with all the instability uh, that's, you know, being, you know, in in just not just supplies, but prices. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the price of fuel has gone up. Everyone is locking down into this kind of, you know, uh, save mode, yeah. essentially. In this kind of mode where people are more wary, people are less likely to be open-hearted, uh, egalitarian, diverse, looking at more political issues of why you should be hiring someone. Mm-hmm. This is a risk. So I think the pandemic has not been helpful, uh, but I'm still optimistic that people will, when things get a little better, people actually remember how important it is Mm. to be equal, to be fair, to be just, and to break the bias. It is really bias because there's so much self-selection. So unless you're the Ritz, you don't have an HR department. Mm -hmm. Most restaurants work in a very small, tight team. People are struggling to find staff so you don't have this whole process of you know of induction and training and you know what you did have before so someone comes in and thrown into the deep end Mm -hmm. and people just are picking people as if they're picking a football team you know no one's playing it's as if they're playing mortal combat you know so they pick these kind of people who they think are tough strong and invariably it's a man picking a man Mm -hmm. who they think are tough for the job you are not in some video game Mm -hmm. this is about service and this is about You know empathy and a team builder, and working together, and cooperation, and collaboration, and you know, unfortunately, people are seeing this as a battleground, yeah. And that's the problem that women lose out because people see women as weak, physically weak, you know, not so committed. Or she's going to end up having babies. You have really, really prominent, you know, people who look up to male chefs who have gone on record. I'm you know and I don't want to name him but I did write an article challenging him uh, but he didn't take respond to it because he said we don't want to have women in the kitchen because they get pregnant and when they're pregnant they can't head lift heavy pots and this was said by one of the most worshipped male chefs in this country and not a single female chef who has a Michelin star who is considered you know, a high-end female chef commented, I was the one who dragged him to the floor and asked him, you know, what kind of kitchen do you run if women are lifting pots the whole day? Mm -hmm. And you know, for the short period that someone cannot lift a pot, you are willing to write her off. Mm. And no one responded. This is a really, really shocking thing about this industry, that women who are successful their silence is deafening, mm. who are successful in hospitality. You might see yourself as a, very, a world-renowned chef, and you don't see yourself as a woman. I'm sorry. Mm. You must speak up for your own. This is very, very important. And this is really about this networking a nexus of mm. you know, people who are in hospitality, who are all you know, got each other's back and don't speak up. It is shameful. And you know, and where there have been evidence of bullying, and someone and chefs have lost their jobs, and there's been evidence where I have again, I was the only one who wrote an article about how unfortunate it was Mm. that these girls had to go through this level of sexual harassment. Mm. uh, Because the initial reaction of the owner of the restaurant was to make that chef an executive chef and then argue that this was not a promotion. And everybody, all the male chefs lined up on social media to say, oh, yeah, yeah, from, to being from a head chef to an executive chef is not a promotion. It was done there so that he wouldn't have physical contact with women in the kitchen. Wow. That is our industry. Eventually, and I'm so sad that I was the only one who wrote a newspaper article, and I set off a campaign. Mm. Uh, that chef was made to leave. And those women were in any case asked to leave, who had made the accusation. And so it's not our finest hour. Mm. This time that we have seen the silence, I won't, I wait to see the next candle. There's one, been one very recently mm. where, sadly, I was the only one again who spoke. And I asked Michelin why they were still giving a star to a chef where there was accusations of <coughs> bullying. Mm. Eventually Michelin replied to me saying, oh, it's very hard for us to monitor. Uh, this is just. In, there's no excuse for it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing is that I'm waiting. I'm waiting for others, for their voices to join me. Mm. Uh, of course, you do not expect those that are being bullied and the weak to speak up. Mm. Uh, I understand this stuff. I expect the powerful to speak up. Yeah. They are not. So at some point, people will be brave. Men and women. We need men and women to speak course, up. Yeah. We need. This has to be a joint effort yeah so that we actually are a respectable profession Mm. at the moment i'm not so sure it's really shocking stuff and you know it kind of makes you feel very sad
0: um but conversely we see so many promising young women coming through our school and throughout the pandemic especially and after there are so many entrepreneurial you know Young women starting up their own businesses, and you know, if they've not been able to find a conventional pathway into hospitality, they've made their own. And so, I guess the hope is that the next generation of chefs, female and male chefs, are gonna kind of make that change.
1: I hope so. I'm, I've, I see the change is the youth. Is the younger people who are coming into this profession, who have the skill sets, as I mentioned before, mm. who have the confidence that I hope that a sk- schooling and courses, you know, would give that person, mm. and they go set the world on fire. They should do that because that is the change. Because if the doors are closed to you, you set up something on your own. Mm. You know, how long will you keep knocking? And once you're through there, if you're treated badly, you won't stay. Mm. And you know, I've started a very unconventional way. My story is very, very unconventional. But because I don't owe anything to anyone, I'm the heckler. (laughs) I will challenge everybody. And you know, and I'm a lawyer. So if someone wanted to take me to court for comments that I make, where I talked about how unacceptable they are, Mm. and how they reek of patriarchy like stale fish, (laughs) Uh, to a chef who was very, very sensitive, very thin skin, uh, I waited, but no, he didn't, didn't decided not to sue me. Uh, yeah, I would love my day in court because, you know, the kind of comments they make, it's so derogatory, so unacceptable, and they get away with it, but not till I'm alive, no.
0: Mm. I don't think uh, anyone's going to dare take you to court, Asma. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how hospitality has changed since the pandemic, obviously people are now kind of readdressing their work-life balance. Have you seen that kind of had an impact in your business?
1: Yes, I've, you know, for me, I'm very lucky. My team, uh, you know, has stayed with me when we closed and, you know, they've come back. Uh, I'm very proud of this kind of, you know, huge sense of commitment to, to Darjeeling Express. But I know with others that during that closure, many went on to do other things you know some even starting their own kind of food business and in this fresh open air away from the extractor and the you know being in an in a basement kitchen you know often never seeing sunlight and sunshine because you went in early in the morning you did a double shift you came back at night i think we have lost quite a lot of people Mm. who have gone on some are still doing food in different ways and I think the fault is ours. Sure, we didn't protect them and look after them in the good days. Mm. Of course, when we had the bad times, you know, everybody has suffered. Mm. But the reason we have a shortage, of course, the first reason is Brexit. We didn't even acknowledge that the backbone of hospitality, especially in London, were Eastern European workers, people, young people who came in who actually had incredible skills. Maybe not everyone spoke great English, but they came in because they'd already worked in their mom's and pup's restaurants. You know, they had just different ethos. And I can say this with absolute authority. British people, British kids do not have that drive to work this hard, I'm sorry. And, you know, Spanish, French, you know, German, Portuguese, young kids who came in just had so much passion for hospitality. It was just remarkable but we just used them as cannon fodder and these people these kids came in with no social life no network the restaurant or the cafe or the bar where they worked in was their life mm. they were always willing to work longer shifts you know they were willing to do more they were often willing to do unpaid work so we just you know as hospitality we use them we've lost them and there was no attempt by the government to actually set up a training system a you know this is a lot of skilled workers who are now going to replace the skilled workers we just thrown away yeah zero and obviously everyone is now looking for staff you know this is very unhelpful because there's a desperation everywhere people are closing for lunch on a monday you know in this whole entire area you will not find a single restaurant open you know people are rationalizing how many you know shifts they can do and the burden on those staff for those who are lucky enough to have staff Mm -hmm. uh, there's a huge burden on them because they're going to burn out because you know there is this pressure on them that you know you can't give them the breaks that they need you cannot give them the holidays they need they're working much longer hours than maybe they would want to emotionally and they're also much working longer hours than physically they should yeah and it doesn't help that we've still got covid around you know people have had that impact of covid it's still there it comes and goes uh very very difficult time but again you know all the conversation that you are hearing is about oh you know how expensive it is to hire staff we're having to pay them more and you know talking about the price of fuel why are we not talking about the mental health of the staff we have why are we not talking about teams why are we not talking about compassion and solidarity these conversations are not happening mm. we're just talking about how expensive it is now to hire staff. Yeah. Why are we not talking about what are we doing to support them? What are we doing to attract the people we lost? Yeah. Why? And especially, you know, for for my industry, which is, you know, Indian food. Why are we not talking to housewives? Why are we not talking to women? All these curry houses are talking about, oh, what a disaster. We cannot get staff. But you go home and you eat the most incredible food cooked by your mother and your wife or your sister. But she's not good enough to come into the kitchen. It's absolutely shocking. All these conversations are not happening. And what everyone is doing is they're complaining about pricing yeah. and how hard it is to find staff. You know, be nice, be good to them. I don't have a problem staffing. Mm. You know, I pay them well. I don't pay minimum wage. I don't steal their service charges. I, they all get the London living wage. You can't survive in London. Live basic, the basic minimum wage is not adequate. No. Then on top of that, all service charges should be given to them. We look after them, we take care of them. You know, unfortunately for us, we've had three staff who've had bereavements in their family. Mm. I've paid for all the funerals. You know, I've paid for them to fly back. They are, when they are giving me the best days of their lives mm. and are here with me instead of being with their family, if there's a problem, morally, I must look after their family. Mm. I don't understand why hospitality where there are two words linked to our industry, hospitable service. We're neither. Mm. We don't look after our own people. We only look after the paid customer. Mm. That is so wrong, but this is how we are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why people are not coming back because they know they can do better. They can get treated well elsewhere. And it's so easy to just kind of do the right thing.
1: Yeah. But but no one is. There's no conversations about these things at all anywhere. Just talk about how expensive it is to hire people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's all about that money. Yeah. <laughs> so just lastly,
1: yeah,
0: I want to talk a little bit about what your predictions and or hopes are for hospitality over the next few years, in any kind of capacity, whether that's you know. What trends you want to see emerge or just exactly what you want to eradicate from
1: hospitality altogether? I want to reply to this with all the positives. Great. <laughs> uh, I would like to see a closer link between ownership, management and staff. The thing is that too many restaurants, in, especially in London, the owners are faceless men, venture capitalists. A lot of Russian money was there in the past. Uh, People investing in restaurants often as a way to come and get visas Mm. because you got you know the golden visa you put in 2 million Uh, So a lot of that you know and this distance between management and staffing the staff and the team Mm. needs to be put together So what I would like to see is more of this kind of collaboration The idea that we're all together, Mm. you know less separation between people uh, more compassion more communication so I would like to see that change in our industry, where there would be this more feeling that we're all in together. The day any restaurant, the kitchen porter doesn't turn up, you are dead. Yeah. But is that, does everyone know the name of the kitchen porter? What tribe he came from, from Ghana? Mm. You know, our kitchen porter, he makes plantains for us every week. He cooks and he says, these are my sister. I cook for my sisters because we keep giving him biryani to take home. He brings food from his tradition and feeds us. There's a sense that you are valued. Yeah. Also, I'm paid the same hourly rate as a kitchen porter, mm. who's the hardest working person. And I'm the least hard, hardest worker, I think, in my kitchen. <laughs> I think everyone works harder than me. Sure. And he knows it. He knows I get paid the same hourly rate as, 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 you know, as me. So we need to just do these things. This yeah. is very, very important. This is not about you know, grandstanding this is about actually you know put your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. pay everybody well treat them equally be fair make sure that you you know promote people based on caliber Mm -hmm. not on their gender Mm -hmm. not because you find them very funny and they're great and they're fun to talk to when they're drunk Mm -hmm. all these wrong reasons you know or that you go and play football with them this is a profession Mm -hmm. it's a profession and you need to show and this kind of the other thing that I would love to see and I hope that this change happens especially as we are now quite stuck let's not have the standard roles the pretty girl in the reception the French sommelier Mm -hmm. the black KP you know everyone is by their color and gender assigned roles Mm -hmm. that let's shatter Mm -hmm. now that we have you know we are, have a huge shortage. I would love to see this. And my prediction is the change will happen, not for the right reasons, but for the reasons that you cannot find yeah. the right kind of people. Fit that role, mm-hmm. that people will be brave and actually hire people, you know, who wear a plus dress size at reception. Mm-hmm. Come on, do it. Your restaurant will still be running. <laughs> do not conform to this idea that, you know, you need a slim, pretty thing at the door when people enter. Mm-hmm you know this is just you know you would think which century are we in where people get jobs based on what their dress size is yeah but that is still happening in hospitality and we need to grow up so my prediction is that now that we're stuck i would also hope although i think that this may not happen i would like to see unionization i want to see a union of hospitality workers Mm. i'm very keen to start one and i i know this is odd because i'm a restaurant owner but I would like to see you know, people having a form and a piece of paper which tells them what their rights are. Mm. And they should know that no one has a right to step on their dreams. No woman should allow someone to touch her without consent. Mm. That this is your inalienable right to be safe in the kitchen. So these are my dreams and hopes for, for the future. Fantastic, well,
0: let's see. And I think it's, you know, it's not unrealistic We're getting
1: there. Yeah, no, we get there. We have to get there because we need to open our mouths and we need to work really hard. And I dedicate my life for this fight. Not because I will benefit anyway from it, but I will leave a legacy that'll outlive me. That women will know that someone spoke up for them Mm -hmm. and hopefully someone out of the next generation will be me and speak up. So this is why I do it.
0: Yeah, and we thank you for it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Plate, Industry Talks by Le Cordon Bleu. Keep up to date with all our news and episodes by following us on social media or by signing up to our newsletter. Links are included in the episode notes. Until next time, aviento!